yell. Did you know that? Wait, what? I mean, I can. I can yell, but you know Pete, my boyfriend. Yeah. He's a very Oh, you just mentioned him on the podcast. He'll be very excited because he gets mentioned a couple of times in this podcast. Um, but he has a very naturally loud voice. Uh-huh. And I have a very naturally quiet voice. Mm. So even at my loudest yell is like barely his like mid-level talking. <laughs> and he's tried, he's like challenged me a few times. He's like, scream as loud as you can. And I'll try and it's just not very it's good. It's because he and I have the Irish thing. Yeah. Loud. Those are just loud. Loud. It's, it's like in our genetically it's loud. In our code. I wonder if there's any science behind that. Like larger vocal boxes. I mean, I wonder if there's a science behind the drinking. <laughs> um anyway, welcome to all this Anyways. noise. Chad Kenny here, Valerie Lee. Over here. Hello, it's me. Did you forget my last name? For no, I didn't want to I didn't want to mansplain your intro, your name. Uh, uh, you know. But you did it anyway. But I did it anyway. So <laughs> my Irish side. It's the Irish side coming out. Oh, man. Uh, welcome to the pod. We've had an amazing run recently, some great guests, and we're continuing. I would say so. Yeah, with another great guest, Devault, a homie of ours. Um, I know. I've known for quite some time. Me too. And I have to say, love him. I think it's really nice as people who have been in the music industry and community for many years, it's nice when you meet people at a kind of early stage at whatever it is that they're doing and get to like watch them grow. Yeah. And absolutely. see that they actually do great things, stay a good person also, very right. important. Right. And I feel like we talk a lot about that because I think we got to chat with him at a really nice point in his career. Like he's really had a big year. Uh-huh. And I think is about to kind of enter into another big era for Devault. 100%. And yeah. I said Devault, but I meant Devault. I was kind of kidding. Just so, <laughs> just for the for the record. Um, but yeah, I know. It seems like he's in a really good place. Like a lot of artists that we've talked to who came up at a certain time, yeah. whether it be SoundCloud or around that SoundCloud time, era, who have yeah. now come into their own artistically and feel like that they are now masters of their domain to some degree, I think, with what they're making and kind of the way that their project is being perceived, and, hopefully the way they want. And I would say a great conversation with someone who I feel like is a master of his craft in so many ways but at the same time still at the beginning of whatever it is that he's about to do and we talk a lot about that in this episode like he's been doing this for many years now so it's definitely by no means like a new thing for him but at the same time it feels like he's entering into an era where he's like really breaking through and like making a new audience for himself. Definitely. Which I think is exciting. Yeah, I mean, earlier this year, he did a back-to-back with Zoo uh, at 1720 here in LA. It was a sweaty warehouse party and it got a lot of people buzzing. Yeah. It was a huge moment for him and I think he's used that momentum um, to, you know, kind of bring more attention to his his project, his music. And releases, and, yeah. Yeah, that, this live set that he's going to be touring soon and uh, working with artists like Snake and R.L. Grime. He put out two songs with Zoo recently. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of good stuff uh, in the DeVault lane. Yeah, yeah. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. All right. So we like to start the podcast with a random question usually, but I feel like I know too much about you. All right. I actually asked Pete, I was like, what should I ask Sage? For my first question, and I feel like I want to ask about one of your first entrances into the music space, which was Holy Ship. Yeah. Can you well, tell me about this adventure you had? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I was barely 21, and basically uh, my manager at the time 
wanted me to kind of go to Holy Ship to kind of like network. I wasn't playing, but more so, oh, this is a great spot for you to meet a bunch of DJs. Have um, you ever been before? <laughs> I've never been. So I didn't <laughs> know what to... a really interesting yeah. one to be like, go network here. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to kind of expect, um, but it was it was out of control. I was fortunate enough to play it like a, a few years uh, after that, but I knew, you know, <laughs> Pete... He was kind of like my first like Los Angeles kind of buddy. Yeah. Don. Yeah. yeah. Don's land. Yes. Good first person. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, yeah, he was, you know, he was so like gracious and like uh, introduced me to a bunch of people. Um, but it, it was wild. I mean, I remember that the lineup too. It was a bunch of, you know, like French acts that I loved. Um, oh, yeah. Like Busy P and Boston Bun and all these guys were you know, it's all kind of like uh, the Ed Banger crew. So that was like kind of just really cool yeah. to just like kind of. This is the Gary around. Richards days. Yeah. Yeah. Because he had all the, he had all like these like great relationships with those French guys. He was just able to get them on. Yeah. But yeah. To see those guys on the ship would be a different experience. You know? As a 21 year yeah. old. As a fresh face. Yeah. 21 year And I was, to be honest, it's, it, it's pretty intense. It's like four days. What's cool though, is I like, you know how like maybe some artists or some people want to be kind of like, um like secluded yeah it, this it, it's like it forces you to be one with everybody mm -hmm. and to be like with the audience so that's the aspect that i really like so it's kind of like the connection element of all that is really cool so, so it was a good networking experience yeah. but it was it was nuts that was definitely like the craziest like i would say four-day party i've like ever been to that's for sure well val you know it's <laughs> a lot like burning man because, oh well, I'm just saying because it's like one of those experiences where the people, especially in the heyday of Holy Ship, when they went, yeah. they're like, dude, you got to go on the ship. You know? Yeah. This is the yeah. same you thing. You are just shoulder to shoulder with everyone ended on that ship. But I mean, just like what you're saying, like everyone was talking about the proximity that you have with the artists was. Yeah. So for you, that was like a really, like a cool breakthrough because I, I think you kind of got an inside look into what yeah. that was like. I think, I think uh, I was lucky enough too to be. You know, I met some artists that, yeah, were just like, even people like Pete, where they were just very gracious. And, you know, I was super new. I was only like maybe a, you know, maybe a year or two into like really just doing remixes, haven't even put out that much music, haven't really like toured at all at that point. Um, so, yeah, it was cool to be kind of like welcomed in, welcomed in by people. And then, uh, yeah, I got to play it a few years later and it was awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your start. Like what... We always kind of ask artists what their entry point, their inflection point, who their influences are. But for you, kind of like where did your musical inspiration start? And and your yeah, you know. I uh, you know what's crazy is um, my my um, it kind of came from my parents initially. I mean, they just love music. Uh, they introduced me to a lot of '80s music, and my dad, when he would drive, he always had like the Prodigy and Crystal Method. Oh, um, oh wow! Like, oh, he was cool, cool dad, and a bunch of <laughs> yeah. And he'd be like driving real fast and playing those records. Like, and as like a nine, places. ten year old, I you know I was I I loved it. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought of it was course. I thought it was so cool. Um, but really, like the entry point, uh, my brother, my older brother, brought home like a hundred dollar like DJ controller setup just mm. out of the blue one day. Um, I think it was actually kind of around when like DJ Hero came out too. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. Uh, and we were obsessed with that. Yeah. So he like <laughs> brought a controller and I immediately fell in love. I love the idea of, of putting two songs together. I love the idea of taking an acapella, putting it on an instrumental. Um, and kind of through my parents' influences, 
And through my older brother, that's kind of how I like really fell in love with electronic music initially, was just kind of putting tracks together. I would take like, you know, Dead Mouse or Cascade and I would put like um, Kanye vocals or I would put um, like a bunch of like hip hop uh, acapellas over like, you know, electronic stuff. Mm. And um, kind of through the years, that was when I was like 12 or 13. And I just loved, I, it kind of like started as a side hobby, really just, yeah, like I said, just mixing records together. And I loved it. That's awesome. Um, zone. And then, yeah, very, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I actually like, that was, you know, how I really first started when I, uh, when SoundCloud was in its like era, like its big yeah. era. Um, that's what I used to love to do. I would just upload, like I'd put like Drake over like a flume song and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it really, it honestly started from my brother randomly bringing a, a controller home and I immediately kind of fell in love and, you know, to fast forward to now, it's kind of cool to look back when you start as like, just like a music lover and you get so like infatuated by like, you know, electronic music. And then you, you know, actually become your own, mu like your own musician and telling your own story. It's really cool. It's really cool to like, look back and be like, wow, started from like, just more of a fascination. Yeah. Just like super stoked. Totally. And to now it's like, oh, I, I now use it as more of a tool to really like, you know, present, you know, my world and how I want, you know, people to like view like my, you know, nuances or my approach to stuff. So it's really, yeah, that's yeah, really awesome. Yeah. So what did your parents think when you first started making music and then also when you decided to do it professionally? Well, first of all, where, where did you grow up? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Orange County okay. um, in a city called Rancho Santa Margarita. Nice. And, uh, that's fun. And, of words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a super long city to always write down like during school for like info and stuff. Oh yeah. my God. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, grew up in Orange County. and But my whole family is kind of from Northern California. I was born in Northern California. Um, cool. But, um, but yeah. Uh, so your parents, like, when you first got into music, like, were, I mean, they, they love music. Were they supportive? And yeah, I'm getting they, the impression that they were really cool. Yeah, they, so they, <laughs> so. they definitely appreciated it as a um, hobby. They really weren't down as it being, like, a, mm. a career choice. Because I, I went to, I went to Arizona State um, for a year uh, doing, uh, my major was broadcast journalism because I really wanted oh. to be, like, a sports analyst. That Look was kind of, oh, that was dope. back in my, like, <laughs> before music You and Chad days. have that in common. But Go Sun Devils. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I was, at, they kind of liked it as like a hobby. They really didn't get down at first with me because after a year of college, I, I got actually very inspired by um, like certain videos from Icon, funny enough, from like Slander mm -hmm. and like Nightmare, uh, seeing videos of them, like how they started and they just kind of, you know, self-taught they went to this icon school and all this yeah. and then now they're touring and i remember it was like a story where slander uh like was playing a certain festival but somebody couldn't make it so they got put on like the main that was like their big break was that they got put on like the main slot mm -hmm. and they like absolutely crushed it and i remember seeing that video and being like so stoked that i you know i was so oblivious to you know uh you know long-term decisions uh but i told my parents i told my parents i was like i'm so inspired i feel like i have a, a cool knack for this music thing um because i was putting stuff out on soundcloud that was getting cool traction for like just little edits and mashups i was so like i i, I was getting like a few thousand views and i, I was like oh this is it That's i'm not it. going <laughs> yeah. uh but um 
they were not receptive to it because they wanted me to like stay in school. Um, yeah. But I think once they really, we kind of had like um, an interesting relationship for a little bit, but now they're, you know, they're my number one supporters. And I think, I think they're more so against it to really push me to, or like to really see in me that this was like my plan A and that's it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think they really needed to see that this was kind of like my passion. Um, and now, you know, now they want to come to every show they can. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. And I mean, I like going back to what you were saying about the, the point in which you, you, you kind of that inflection point and, and your, your brother bringing home the, the controller. Um, because like I've been, I've been in the scene for, you know, since like, Daft Punk kind of came and I think that was like the entry point. I, have, I always yeah. mentioned them. She's like <laughs> laughing. She's like, you're going to bring them up again? We know, we know um, Chad. <laughs> but you know, like I'm seeing like different points. I've been around for like the different points where a lot of our guests jumped in if they're younger than me, you know? And I remember the point when DJ Hero and like Guitar Center was selling these cheap controllers. There's a lot of people like me and other people who had to spend all this money to get into DJing and production that were like, Oh great! It's gonna create all these bedroom DJs and producers. <laughs> but, Meanwhile, Sage yeah, yeah, have yeah. SoundCloud mashups in yeah, his bedroom. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're gonna put an acapella over that. Oh great! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you exactly. know what? It actually ended up doing. I think now when we look back at it, is it did create so many other opportunities for people that otherwise would not have been exposed or had the access. So, you know, I think everyone kind of benefited from from that in general, and. It, and but it, it is interesting to see that you were a product of that access that kind yeah. of opened up for a lot of people. Because I remember when we'd be at a nightclub, there was etiquette, there were rules to DJing. Like most people were on vinyl. A lot of times, if you were on Serato on a computer, you had to put your laptop screen down so you weren't mm. looking at it. Mm. And then I remember just a year later, people were just on controllers and they're just like, yo, yo, we're fucked. Like <laughs> it's, it's over. <laughs> um, but I think now in retrospect, it's been great for everyone and it's cool to hear that that was like a you know it opened it up for you and and yeah probably millions of young people i mean now that i'm thinking too there was kind of a few moments obviously i love daft punk i still listen to the live 2007 like at least once a month i yeah i it's the it's my perfect favorite like, road trip yeah soundtrack and this guy i've seen him dj some like heady daft punk cuts like i know <laughs> i know you were djing one daft of the now he dj right like now. a remix from the tron album one time and i was like all right oh all yeah, right, yeah i see you devault <laughs> there's this like uh it's like a para one para remix one, yep. that's very very good um i remember yeah. I, I catalog that shit yeah. no but anyway you, uh, know, yeah. yeah so you well, love daft but yeah I, daft yeah i love yeah i love daft punk and now that i'm remembering i remember i got i I was fascinated by like DJ AM. That was a big, mm. that was a big moment initially too. Cause I, he was such a good, um, like mashup kind of style artist, um, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And he like, he kind of was like the first, you know, really branded DJ to do stuff like Vegas or, you know, yeah. do like yeah. festivals and really crush. Yeah. Um, so that, that, um, him and like Daft Punk definitely were like, kind of the spark that really at least creatively kind of got me going besides just you know learning how to dj yeah i kind of the way they kind of story told through music um kind of inspired me initially to just okay how can i like start finding somewhat of my voice um in things because i didn't even start making music until producing really until i was 18 um but i think kind of through that like initial process like with the controller and DJ and I kind of like was finding my voice like slowly 
until yeah. like the yeah. time was right. Like and figuring it, out what you like and what you yeah. don't like. Yeah. But I AM so. is my idol, you know, and he's the reason why I got into it too. And I owe my whole career to him, but he died in 2009. Yeah. So it's like, there's people who did not, you, it's great that you got to experience him yeah. in that capacity because it's so hard to try to explain to people what it was like when he was alive. Mm. 100%. You know, he was actually an ambassador for DJ Hero. And that was the only reason why I was like, kind of like, okay with it. Yeah. You know, but you know, it kind of, it did rub a lot of people the wrong way. Like, oh, here we go. Like, it's going to be in toy stores now. Like, DJing's going to be in toy stores, you know? And yeah. But now looking back at it, it wasn't that positive, I think. So it's cool that, that it opened it up for you. Yeah. Yeah. And you were saying, so walking through like you drop out of college because you're like i love music but you're still kind of in the mashup era yeah. and then walk us through the era of you figuring out like producing your own music and finding your own sound yeah i uh so once i decided not to go back to school um i stay in orange county and i just basically uh everything that i've learned has been self-taught so i just i spent every day really just figuring out kind of like the nuts and bolts of production mm -hmm. um and I was just kind of finding, I think it's, I think it's always good to be um, kind of self-taught and finding it your own way because you kind of find your own like nuances and like um, little things that maybe people don't have like, you know, this, um, people don't have like the same approach as you. So you kind of come at things from a different angle. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I spent every day, every minute just trying to at least, um, get to a good point uh, where I could, the goal was always what's going on in my head. I need to be able at any point, if I get inspired or anything, I need to be at least production wise, good enough to be able to sit down and put it down mm. and go. Mm. Um, and that's kind of like what I work towards. And that took like, that takes, you know, about like 12 to 18 months. It's like learning a new language. Um, yeah. But uh, that's kind of just through a lot of like trial and error. and. Um, like immense kind of hard work, you know, Yeah. Work. every day. That was the only way to just, yeah, like I said, it was the only way to like get to a certain point to like uh, formulate my own voice was, um, yeah, just trying to become like the best producer I could be. And a lot of it stemmed from like taking influences from like artists that I love and looking how they made songs and how they structured things and kind of like using that as like a starting point and then kind of going from there. Um, what yeah. was, you know, when you're, in your own kind of room or wherever you are learning for a long period of time, how did you get feedback? Was it like through SoundCloud? Were you playing shows? Were you like making your way into LA? Yeah, the, the feedback, um, I remember uh, it definitely came from SoundCloud. Mm. It was so cool back then. I mean, it's it's still great now, but uh, it was so <laughs> it was cool. Era, it was so era. cool back then. It was very like you know you could really just upload something and you could get direct feedback from people like instantly. And that was when I was younger. I thought that was really really cool. Um, yeah. But feedback kind of uh, stemmed from it was. I remember on like Facebook, a lot of producers would kind of like form these kind of mini groups, and that that was kind of cool too you know, you're sending music back and forth and getting feedback, um, through there. Um, but thankfully I kind of, when I started, I, I kind of like had my nose down. Um, mm. so I kind of was just pushing myself and just being very hard on myself, kind of yeah. finding my way. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think you kind of got a lot of momentum pretty quickly. Uh, and when 
from SoundCloud and then were able to kind of get to playing shows and doing stuff. Yeah. I mean, rather, rather fast. Um, yeah. Um, you know, what's funny is, uh, I would say like the past, I would say the past 12 months, I've really kind of like come into myself and really found a, uh, like a, a confidence in what like the Devault project is. Mm-hmm. But I remember initially when I like, uh, did this EP called stay and I did a bunch of kind of like official remixes for the first time. Yeah. I, I still love that music, but I had a, uh, it's funny the past 12 months I've kind of been solving this within myself, but I've, I had like a discrepancy with, um, making music, but then it, it won't really translate in a club environment. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a dance artist. And I think I, I think I loved kind of being in like a, you know, first like an indie electronic approach. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of struggled initially, you know, a lot of my music um, in the beginning is like, you know, for a driver, like, you know, in the bedroom, like chilling. Yeah. Um, so the past like 12 months, I've kind of really, at least for the Devault project, have like um, focused myself on making, it has to be dance oriented no matter what. And it's kind of actually gone back to like my early influences and like my dad showing me like stuff like Prodigy and you know, Chemical Brothers, and now it's it's funny that my sound is kind of, you know, um, all its, like, twists and turns kind of comes um, from that. But that's been, like, a really interesting experience, starting out, doing, making music, but it's not really translating live, and then now, you know, the music can directly fit in any kind of set. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I remember a lot of that, because you and I were were kind of always, you know, we were there together, you know, like... um 2018 Coachella, you yeah. know, we played right at the Heineken house, right? He was yeah, right yeah. before us. And, uh, I saw you at main stage at Ezood that same year. And yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I understand what you're saying because, you know, you were pretty prolific for a young artist. Like you had a lot of material out, you know, and especially the official remixes stuff. Like it was really impressive. Like the music was really, really good, but I can understand that what you're talking about, that sort of discrepancy between like what you feel represents like the music that you want to be out or especially play yeah, in sets. And then like a major label remix that's going to get a ton of streams and is going to open a bunch of doors for you in terms of people knowing who you are. Yeah. But it, what do you want to be known for? You know, and that's what a lot of artists talk about too, you know. hundred percent. I think like, um, I mean, I love everything that I put out, but I'm really kind of proud of at least the last year of music um for me because i just feel it just feels the most me and i think that i think every artist i mean you look at like somebody like radiohead or you know lana del rey or you know these artists are constantly evolving too and they're going through different chapters their life and that's kind of how i've realized with you know i feel like i'm just getting started but i've been you know releasing music for like five six years and uh kind of keep finding my way it's it's a surreal experience for sure and there's a lot of artists that have older material that like everyone loves and they don't Mm want to revisit it and you're like what this is my favorite stuff but to them it's so personal in a way where it's like that is not me anymore you know like i was a young kid i was you know i there i do get at some shows people get a little bit upset because they want to hear like some tracks like nothing but you or like leave me low but you know all my stuff has been more like dark and energetic lately so just I got to try and find some happy medium, but there's, yeah, there's some people get a little bit upset because they're like, oh, I really want you to play those records, but it's just, it's, it's not really like, you know, my skin anymore. So, yeah. Um, 
Well, tell us also, I mean, you're mentioning that the past 12 months has felt different for you. And I feel like there's been a lot of stuff, like even you kind of creating your own experience in shows and obviously the music has kind of translated that as well. So talk a little bit about, I guess, when you first started noticing that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the main, uh, the main thing for me was I always wanted to have a really cool, like live presence, but Mm finding it in a way without being like a live artist. I, I really wanted to create like a great DJ experience. And I know, I know you, uh, you know, pride yourself, like pride, you know, you pride yourself on doing, uh, you know, amazing kind of DJ like shows. Um, but that was kind of the main thing is I really need to put a, a, a world and like people can really see what a default show is all about. And mm-hmm. I felt like Jan- in January when I did, uh, when I did the um, 1720 warehouse show, mm-hmm. that was kind of like a real opportunity to like really film and show everybody, you know, what the default project is really about. Yeah. It can like sit and people can like really envision it. Um, yeah. And for those who haven't had a chance to check it out, like you were doing it in the round, Right there was yeah. there was like just the audience right around you. You had Zoo come up, yeah, and and did a back to back, and it was really filmed really nice. I liked it, especially like the full world thing where like everything was like in an order. Yeah, yeah. We really uh, cool. I started using like a three sixty uh, uh, camera, um, and just trying like different. I've I always pride I always like uh, hold an importance visually with what I do with the default project. So I. Always I'm trying to find, you know, newer ways or work, you know, with really cool creatives to, you know, bring, make my project a little bit more larger than life. Um, yeah. And that show, yeah, the way we shot it and we had, we had Pete uh, cut it, which is uh, awesome. And he did a great job, like really showing what it was about. And we had, you know, we had actors behind me dressed in like Matrix gear. We had dancers. Um, That's dope. We had oh, an overhead laser. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. It made me realize that, you know, um, for the default project now and for the stuff moving forward is taking, that was kind of like a guinea pig and I really want to take it and enhance it in crazy ways. Well, I have a question and, and this is by no means instructive, but like, so you're saying like this last year, you finally were able to like get comfortable fully with like what, you know, default is to you, right? Yeah. But do you think that any of that has to do with like the ecosystem of dance music right now in like this past year being more accepting and like a good time to do it? Or did you just say, F it, I'm just going to do it now, you know? I actually, um, yeah, I do think like the ecosystem, like I think dance music is in a really awesome place right now. Um, And I think people, I always think my music is a bit left of center. Um, And I think, I think through TikTok and through like boiler rooms and, you know, sets now going crazy on YouTube, I think people have become more, um, they really want to digest like um, more left of center music. Um, And I think it just, I think, yeah, the dance ecosystem just kind of like, I did see it as an opportunity to, to take my sound and, and really, uh, you know, find, you know, my spot in it. but just with a ton of energy, making it super raw, um, very like sampley. You know, it's so crazy. It's like, obviously like saying Fred again is, is a, you know, everybody's talking about <laughs> him. But uh, I think actually, I, 
I love what he's doing because I think it's made, um, you know, my style of music more accessible too. You know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like he's made kind of that uh, section of electronic music more accessible to like, you know, the common ear. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's been a really kind of unique experience. I think maybe, yeah, I think maybe the ecosystem right now is you know, in a good place for what I'm doing. So that's why maybe the past 12 months have been really cool. I think people are, you know, starting to at least take notice uh, a little bit more um, what I'm trying to give out. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I feel like the way that you're describing how you're thinking about your own project makes a lot of sense because you spent so much time in your early years almost like dissecting popular music by making mashups. I feel like you really understand what people respond to in different ways yeah and now you're kind of able to be like with your producer knowledge create your own that you understand like the energies that people will respond to and like what people are looking for in like a certain moment at the club and all that so i think it's really interesting yeah i uh i think uh my approach at least lately from like a music standpoint uh which is funny because i know like uh, the swedish house mafia guys have said this before but it's like like creating the music that like at what point will it fit in the set? Like, and mm-hmm. I've been kind of approaching like uh, a lot of my recent singles and the stuff that's coming out is like, oh, this is a great, this is a great like point at the end. Or I really want to make like a song that's like the ideal intro record, which is uh, a record I will that I put out. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It it feels like a good time to kind of like strip everything down to its foundation. And kind of rebuild, like if you wanted to do that, you know, because like a lot of, especially Swedish House Mafia, like came back with some records, <laughs> like is that just like a kick and a cowbell? Like what? <laughs> Where are my synths? Yeah, yeah, I love that album. Yeah, and and you know, if it was commercially successful, if it wasn't, whatever, they did something that I think, again, like you know, you look to the leading figures in the scene to hopefully, you know kind of foreshadow where everything could go or at least open up doors for people like yourself, like other people to then be able to express themselves even more. And I feel like we've had that sentiment come up a few times now where artists that are have been making a certain sound see a big artist do a similar sound and at first you're a little like, oh no, and then you realize that it's actually a good thing because it kind of opens the doors and people trickle in and then find you after they find a Fred again set and become obsessed with him. Yeah. Like that definitely happened. So it is an interesting time. I think people are very interested in dance music right now. Yeah. You know, what's funny is this, uh, like my song, I will is, is being put in this, uh, like stutter house playlist. Like where it's <laughs> yeah. Like, this phrase stutter house. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very interesting how like sub genres come out of nowhere. Um, but honestly, like, yeah, it's only, these kind of subgenres have only kind of helped my project lately, which has been really cool. So I'm I'm kind of all for it. Well, we, yeah, we talk about it all the time, like you know, the general public or people who are not as like insider as we are. Genres are important because it allows people to kind of like <clears throat> understand what they're he- hearing. You know, not everyone is going to be like as informed or whatever. So I think like we can laugh at genres like, oh, Stutterhouse. But to someone that's important because then they can connect that with like, oh, this sounds like this other thing and this other thing. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately like, you know, you have a more informed or more, you know, you have a more diverse fan. But um, yeah, it. I think people can access 
one thing and then hopefully then they go further down the rabbit hole and then but like boiler room like you you mentioned boiler room i think there's been like a crazy like boiler roomification of like almost everything it's like boiler room was it's like everyone got to this maximalist point and then we've somehow come back to boiler room which has been here the yeah. whole time you know crazy i actually think like at this point i think for an electronic artist that um like the set your set is almost more important than uh like a record now like having a killer mm. great hour two hour set yeah that's well like well documented has well moments. filmed yeah has like great moments and it's almost the perfect way to tee up and promo all your upcoming uh records it's crazy how the importance at least how i'm approaching you know with like my next tour next year um I'm realizing it's it's crazy. Like sets are now, you know, creating huge moments um, for artists rather than just like a big record, um, which is yeah, it, it's crazy. Like the boiler room effect has kind of created that. Um, it's kind of nice though. I feel like as an artist, because that gives you more control. Because I feel like that's the the complaint, right? With like the record thing, with like you know, then you got to make a TikTok trend that hopefully people will pick up on. But in your case, you can actually control the whole set and think about the tracks you want to release that begin and end and sort of thing. I feel like that gives more power back to the artist. Yeah. Anyway. I think, you know, it's, you know, it's crazy. It, it uh, electronic music is so funny, but it's, it, it just comes back to like really the base of it all where, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of electronic music started and records came out because, you know, DJs are testing it out months, months and months on end on tour and testing the reaction. And that's kind of, I feel like maybe there was a moment, at, at least for me, I, I had a moment where, you know, I would work on music very like secluded and then put it out and then start playing the record. But lately I've, I've been playing like some records for like nine months, you know, really yeah. testing and molding it and seeing the reaction, you know, at this club or at a festival and seeing how it goes and what's missing. And that's, that's been a, it's kind of, I feel like electronic music is coming back to that because more and more of the sets that I'm seeing it's it's so much just promo of new records, um, mm -hmm. which is like really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's been some cases recently where, um, you know, it, it's a very old school way of blowing up, but it's like when there's that one song that like everyone's playing at EDC that weekend, they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then mm -hmm. Ray Volpe just gets big, you know? And yeah. I'm happy for guys like him who are now, like they get their due, um, but a lot of it is just like, you know, you got people playing your your music and it, it was a very old school thing. Like everyone wanted it. And then people went home, like they go home and they want to search the IDs. I think that is like a consistent through line with every generation. There's always going to be like that. ID, it's just, ID, ID, ID. ID. It's, yeah. just, it's just like, if it's fun, you know, like I think anyone is excited about, it. it's like a scavenger hunt. It's like a, it's just like, you're, you're part of this like secret is like, what, where is yeah. this? When is it coming out? What do I, Oh man. And I think if artists can use that to their advantage, they'll do extremely well uh, in, kind of growing their career. Um, but I do think it's hard when you put a lot of pressure on an artist to be like, all right, we're going to make this album and then you got to tour this album and then you got to expect people to show up and they've got to understand the songs and understand yeah. what you're doing. Like, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's almost more important to just market like what the set is going to be in your universe. And then if they want to listen to music too, like, you know, great. Here's some material for you or like I got stuff coming later. I mean, I feel like you had a great 
example, like a several month run of that, right? Because you're talking about your warehouse show, 1720, yeah. and then this track with Zoo or a yeah. couple tracks with Zoo yeah. just came out recently. And that was yeah. one of the big talking moments I remember from that set, right? Yeah. He, uh, super, super great dude. And we really, um, yeah, we really got along immediately. Um, we had like similar music tastes and it just kind of led to us making these, uh, records and people like him and, you know, uh, like I just helped out with a like an R.L. Grimes song. Um, being around those guys has definitely uh, like um, I feel like confidence is not the right word, but it I, like it's it's really like reinvigorated um, like me with my project to like really think bigger. And when you're around these guys that you know have had good success, especially with with their worlds, they're very like you know it's very it's very like culty. Um, very, yeah, yeah, very purposeful, very, um, like cool and close to them. Um, and that's kind of being around them and, and, and their energy and how they approach music has definitely like inspired how I want to approach my stuff. Cause sometimes, sometimes when I was, um, doing DeVault stuff in the beginning, I was always like really, um, for some reason in my head, I always wanted to like remain niche. I wanted to stay like so like niche with what mm. I'm doing. But being around them is kind of like, you know, I want to, I want the default world to be like much bigger. And what can I do to, you know, put the most energy and the most like soul into my songs that, you know, is for like, you know, bigger moments or huge moments rather than being like so like niche. And, like, mm. uh. Yeah. I mean, even when <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know Zoo at all, but uh, he did do one of our shows and um it was super cool because I, I i admire the guy but i could just instantly tell he's just like a rock star like yeah. he just has that the energy and just like his whole output and everything and it's super cool like i mean it's rare it's rare in electronic music to see people who have that kind of like not only that kind of personality but that texture to everything they do like what are some things that you kind of learn from working with someone like zoo that kind of um opened your yeah perspective? Uh, yeah i learned like a lot of things, uh, like everything's very intentional. Um, and, and everything gets like, you know, I always, especially being around those guys, I always like think of the word like simplify, like everything is more simplified, but putting all this power into certain, you know, sounds or, you know, certain moments rather than overcomplicating things. It's rather like simplifying, um, the music, which is really cool. And being around him, like, um, you know, he's been super great because in this past September, we did a uh, like a back to back at like a warehouse and had like a few like viral crazy TikToks from it. Um, but like, you know, him kind of like extending a hand um, uh, for me, like, you know, I think gave gave an opportunity for more for like, you know, fans to really dive into kind of my like dark default world space, um, which was really cool. But yeah, being around like being around people like him is uh, it's just a it's inspiring really because i you know i pride myself on making like what devault is like a very immense world and everything is very intentional with me too so when you're around those people that have had great success um and are admired for admired for it it's really cool it's really cool to be around i'm curious also because i feel like something i know about your story is that you've been both lucky and i think talented and being in the same room as really great mentors yeah. I know that DJ Snake was an early mentor of yours, right? Yeah, I think uh yeah, being around him, he's uh, you know, he's 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 a great friend and How'd he's How did you guys meet? 
Uh, we met through we met through one of my uh, managers at the time, Aaron, who is uh, his tour manager, um, and uh, and met him actually at Holy Ship. Um, properly, ah, was, yeah, at Holy Ship, <laughs> not the Holy first Ship one, moment. the the first one that I went to, the very first, yeah, the very yeah, first, the very first one, one, yeah. And uh, I remember our first, like, oh man, our first encounter was uh, was hilarious. He he totally shit on me. Uh, what did he say? Now you're like tell some us. French. Uh, no, he like said, <laughs> oh, I don't want to get in trouble for this, but he was like, he was uh, uh it was some like uh. It was some joke where we were at dinner and I was very nervous because I didn't know many people. Yeah. And I think like there was some joke going around, but he like, he like said like, he like called me like a virgin or something like in a French way. But you know, when you get called like a virgin, yeah, this is hilarious. But when you get called a virgin, you can't like, it's like when you're like, no, 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 I'm yeah, not a virgin. Like you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't there's no, there's, you got to just accept it. So I was so like stunned by the joke. Uh, that, like then I came off defensive and then everybody was laughing and I was like damn I just got shit on by DJ Snake <laughs> oh, um, what? Uh, yeah. me? no you but uh, uh, over yeah over like the past uh, like, year or two we've become uh, super close and same same with Zoo it, yeah. like same like the same kind of aspect of Zoo is like when you're when you're around you know um, people like that you you start to like just think bigger and I think that's what's cool being around them is, yeah, it's like instilled like some confidence and some urge within me to, you know, really think big for the Devault project and like really be, you know, um, intentional with my choices. I think I think that's the biggest thing is yeah. they have like great intent and they have like great decision making to like get their art across, you know, because yeah. Snake, yeah. you know. Snake is amazing, you know, when it comes to visually or shows and documenting things. And that's same with Zoo, you know, Zoo puts, Zoo has this immense, like, world. And I remember when he first came out of the, like, when he first came into the scene, like, his shows were really cool and, like, immersing a DJ set, but then there's somebody on a, you know, sexy saxophone and, <laughs> you know, like, and it's just, like, very dark and stoic and cool. Yeah. Um, Did some of their sauce rub off on you? I, I would, I, I would definitely say so. I mean, they've, they, yeah, they've definitely in, just inspired me and made me, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll say it again. Well, because they, they have bigger. actual style, you know, like, I yeah. think that, like, it's, I just, when you think of DJ Snake, oh, actually, kind of Zoo, too, you just think of sunglasses, or just, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but, men like, it's just, mysterious it's just, men in sunglasses, you but they're like, wearing sunglasses. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, um, you know, they're just, like, they just have, like, a, uh, a superstar, like, rock star mentality, not yeah. rock star and, like, oh, like, you know, um, being around nonsense and doing like wild shit. It's more so like how they carry themselves and, um, and how much they think of like their project and their music. Like you can, you can feel, um, how much they like care about it. So that's, that's yeah. definitely what's rubbed off on me for sure. Yeah. Because I, you know, it's one of the things we, we mentioned, but it, it, I feel like self promo is just so embedded in being a DJ producer you know, but for whatever reason, like artists like them have been able to like get attention and, and get people really in, in invested in what they do without having to like really push it, like push themselves onto people too much, you know? Yeah. I mean, Zoo for the longest time was completely anonymous. Yeah. Like, yeah. You didn't know his identity at all. And DJ Snake, like most people didn't know anything about that guy. Like he yeah. just was producing a slew of bangers. And then I think eventually people kind of were like, 
oh, this guy's from France. Like, you know, it's just, so, and then I think a little bit more of the personality came out, but they, they just like, their music spoke for themselves for a very long yeah. time. Yeah. That, it feels like that's like a big part of it is the music spoke first and then they figured out the rest and were confident in their choices, intentional in their yeah. choices. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing for me too. At the end of the day, um, I want the music to speak the loudest. I'm not, I, you know, I admire all these guys too. Cause I, I like that level of kind of, uh, like treading on like some mystery um and uh i obviously love to get personal but i kind of like the music to have like some i want the music to kind of create some answers for people rather than me like being so like oh this is what it's about and this is what i'm doing every day and all this i kind of like the music and the visuals to kind of you know paint a uh an interesting story and more like narrative driven so that, that's I, that, that that's what I feel like they all do really well too. Is like there's this level of mystery, but the music kind of like helps, you know, create those you know questions or answers for like the fans, and that's what makes them like so into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with all that in your head now, I feel like it sounds like you're going on tour, but not for a little bit, right? Yeah. So are you in an era of music making, cooking in the studio? Yeah, I uh, I. Luckily for the first time, I have a lot of records um, like done that are coming out over the next few months. So now kind of um, these next like two months, I'm just getting in the studio a lot to write a lot of things for next year. Because mm. ideally, I'd love to um, in 2024, like do my first like project. I've done a bunch of EPs, but I'd love to do like my first, you know, album mm. project. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to be spending like the next few months kind of. More so formulating, um, taking it like slow, because um, I already have like a bunch of songs that are coming out that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, but kind of taking that part slow, because I really want to do something conceptually that's you know really cool and can last and really represents me. Um, but yeah, I- I'm excited. I'm doing a lot of interesting uh, like studio sessions, working with some pretty um, awesome people over the next uh, few months, and and yeah. Got some more collabs coming too, which I'm very excited about. Well, I'm um, curious, like what what you're saying, like about things lasting. Do you think it's harder for things to actually last these days, like for music to like really like maintain any sort of, you know, attention or or sta- yeah, stand like the test of time? I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely harder. It's definitely becoming harder for people to digest like something as a whole. But I think, I think now. Obviously, this requires a lot of hard work for artists, but I, I fully bought into it as like, you got to create this sense of like demand uh, like within yourself. I feel like every artist, you need to like give people a reason why they want to really dive into what you're doing. And that's kind of, I've kind of used that um, as kind of a, um, yeah, like a motivational tool to be like, I need to work so hard keep working on crazy records, doing whatever I can to get to a point where people will really care about a project. I feel like sometimes some artists like, you know, maybe feel some type of way because they just start, they start their career off like doing a project or whatever, but it takes, you know, it takes a while. I mean, I'm, I think I'm a good example. You know, it's a, it's a slow burn. It takes, it takes a while for people to, you know, want to really, you know, dive into something. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's I think it just has to come with obviously people's attention spans are 
I mean, my own attention span attention span is dwindling but uh because you're playing dj hero when you're a young kid <laughs> yeah but it's like i i think at the end of the day if if you if you're doing something very authentic and people like really see that and they really want a project then i think that's when it's the right timing um i think it i mean it must be so difficult as an artist because i feel like what you're saying is all true like i feel like people respond so well to anyone being passionate about their work and taking time and like really putting their all into it because then you start to get invested in like what's the story and obviously the product tends to be a little bit better as well but as an artist it's so hard right because it's like what you're talking about where you're already planning ahead for next year but I feel like a lot of artists get caught up in like the oh my gosh like so and so is headlining this festival and has this big hit like why don't I have that how do I release something like that and get so caught up and like now I gotta make a song that sounds like that big song and put it out tomorrow and all that yeah like I think I think naturally all artists are a bit lazy and (laughs) I think I've changed my psyche on like social media and stuff and posts on TikTok like and getting your music out there and heard it's everything is an opportunity. It's like, I feel like a lot of artists are like, I just want to tour, put my music out. Every, the other, you know, like answers, like, you know, I don't want to be a part of anything else. And that just sadly isn't the case and anymore. And I've kind of, I, when I started, I really wanted to be like that where it's like, I just, I just do the music. I'm going to tour. I do the visual stuff. That's it. I'm not like, I'm not, I don't want to play these like games or anything, Yeah. but I've, but I, I've realized like everything's an opportunity and I've realized like all these tools are just to get heard more. So, you know, yeah, it's hard work and yeah, it's hard work, but like, you know, this is our, this is our life, you know? So you gotta like, you know, why not go all in and create more opportunities? And I, I honestly find like stuff like TikTok such a cool tool because I know a lot of artists are so like jaded to, to like posting and, but I think it's such a unique tool to create um, curiosity. That's the main thing. That's how I honestly, when I did that warehouse set, part of the approach was let's visually make it so awesome. So when people now see it on social media and stuff, they have this subconscious feel, like the subconscious feeling about Devault, where it's like, oh, when I walk into a Devault uh, set or walk into a show, it's going to be like this crazy Matrix Blade kind of energy. Or when I'm listening to it, they kind of have that in their head. Yeah. Because I feel like all of this hearing about your plans for next year and, you know, the music that you haven't even made yet, but it sounds like you're already starting to maybe make make mental notes about what your album visually, sonically is all going to sound like. And yeah. I feel like it's exciting to have yeah. that thought because then you get to build like a really amazing live show to go yeah. with it and I, artwork uh, and everything. Yeah, I, I'm going to be announcing my next tour um, in a few months. And I have some very unique plans that takes kind of what I did at the 1720 Warehouse, but just... A very immersive like mm-hmm. i had a great conversation with somebody um that does shows and i'm sure you know i'm sure you know this with like brownies and lemonade stuff but the most important thing is yeah i had the conversation with this dude and he said like the most important thing is when uh when an audience member initially walks in and when they like walk out is the you know that's the most important moments mm-hmm. and um it can't just be, you got to find ways outside of just the music to make a really memorable ex- ex- 
experience. Yeah. And that's kind of like things I've been thinking about nonstop. Just besides the lighting, besides the besides the music, what can I do that makes something immersive that people are creating a talking point? Mm. Just besides the music being, oh, the music was great. Yeah, that's awesome. But you yeah. want the talking point to be like, oh man, did you see like uh did you see like this this couple in the crowd that was doing this and they were filmed by somebody or it's like, oh, did you see like the or these like actors or like dancers like going through the crowd or like, yeah. you know, those little details. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't want to get like too into like what my um kind of upcoming uh, tour stuff is yeah because i want to leave like some kind of level of mystery well with a it, lot of it is but... also like you're not going to be able to plan it like it's going to have to become like the audience is going to have to participate in some way too to make it memorable right? exactly yeah. because if they just didn't participate and they just stood there and watched then it wouldn't be yeah. memorable either right like yeah. yeah there's some interesting stuff that happens in that way where like no one can really predict you can like put everything in place. You can put Easter eggs down. I think that's kind yeah, of what you're yeah, saying, that's right? Kind like, of, yeah, things, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, that's my focus for, um, is being very minimal with like the lighting and and the stage design and and the music is obviously very cutthroat and intense, but um, that's, is making making the default world like very immersive and yeah there's just gonna be like easter eggs everywhere that's kind of been what i've been like fascinated about nice like i love you know when you go to like certain bars like there's a place like uh, a good example is like uh no vacancy in la mm -hmm. like when you walk in and it's like this uh burlesque girl that's like giving you the the rules yeah and like oh no phones or whatever yeah. and then she presses the lever and it yeah opens up and you walk down the stairs you're immediately buying into it like yeah. at least a little experience for the night you yeah. think like you're getting immersed into something yeah, yeah so that's kind of been uh that's kind of like been a focus point like besides you thinking you're coming to a devault crazy warehouse show it's creating like some like you're buying into a world that's kind of like been my uh like my focus lately that's what further's really the point about. of what you were saying though about how like experience kind of is a little bit I w if it's not more important, but it's almost as important as music yeah. in this day and age. Well, I was going to yeah. say, I mean, one thing I really appreciate about you is I feel like you're a producer's producer in that, like, you know, you are in the room with these kind of people who make confidently a certain type of sound. Yeah. DJ's DJ. You're really thinking about your sets in that way. And honestly, I feel like now you're also like the people's performer in a way. Like you're thinking about your crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like it takes a certain level of like appreciation for like those people that are attending your shows in order to put that thought and effort yeah. into all that. So, I've, yeah. You know what's, it's a product of like a lot of trial and error. But when you're like, for example, I was on uh, like the bus tour with Maddion and being like around like someone like him, you know, you, you realize how important, um, like the amount of detail that you put in, it's like you're the the fans. Like, I mean, same with us being music lovers. You appreciate you appreciate artists that are putting in so much effort mm -hmm. because um, it makes you just so much more invested. And like being around like somebody like Maddie on like his shows are everything is so meticulous. But his fans, his you see it in the crowd. They love. 
the meticulousness. They're they're like meticulous yes. themselves. Yeah. Well, and we yeah, I I can just attest to that because we just uh, premiered a live stream from uh, the set he did with us, and in the YouTube, like every time he had a song, people were like, oh shit, so this is gonna be the build up of this into this drop. It's coming, coming. Oh whoa, he faked us out. He did it. So they like people they know, know everything. Like, it's like they're Easter smart. eggs within his set. Yeah. That people can, you know, and that's relate yeah, to. that's what I want to have. Like, you know, as I keep growing, like the Devault project, that's kind of like the same thing. Is like I want, I want people that are so excited to buy into like the next Devault event and yeah. the next Devault yeah. show that they're like, oh, I can't wait for him. I'm curious if he's going to be doing this. Oh, yeah. is he going to bring out this again? It's kind of like yeah, yeah, it's cool. I, you know, one thing that was really funny is Maddie. I was like. I'm going to end with this song. It's like the best song ever made. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to be Earth, Wind, and Fire September because he does that all the time. And he played a song from Sonic Adventure, the video game. Wow. Just, and everyone was like, what? I can't believe Maddion just flipped that Sonic song on us. And then he played September. But I just thought it was like, like you're saying, it's like the fans, you always like, you want to subvert their expectations, but you also want to give them a little bit what they want. And it's... It's that fun little like mixture of both, and like I'm sure you're yeah. probably gonna change it up city to city, and yeah, yeah, yeah. do I'm, cool shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited, and yeah, it's cool. I, I think at the end of the day, I always try and remind myself that I am a music lover, so I try and like think of it from an objective standpoint too. Like, oh, if I was a fan of myself, like, what would I really like wanna, you yeah. know, what would I really like want and care about from an artist? So that's kind of like always my approach is, what can I do to make like a fan just be really stoked mm -hmm. on everything that I'm doing. So. People's performer. I actually had a, I had another question <laughs> before you go, just separate from music. So you said you were going to go to school for broadcast journalism and sports. Oh, here we yeah. go. So like, are you into sports? <laughs> yeah. Big, big, uh, big sports dude. I love football. I'm big. My whole family's diehard Niners fans. Okay. Wow. So oh yeah. Been, Bay Area. Yeah. We've been through, oh my God, I think like, Five or six NFC championship losses and two can't... two Super Bowl Jeez. losses. Like my parents have lived through like a great Niners era. Sorry, this is a good. I, this is a good sign. I'm glad we're talking about. Well, it. no, it's because um, yeah. you know Beyonce. She shut the power off in that one Super Bowl, yeah. and then they took that break, and then the momentum was gone, and then Joe Flacco. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, crazy. That was, yeah, that's crazy. yeah. I I played lacrosse since I was like eight nine oh, years old. Did so you? That's, I played lacrosse in at Arizona State and. I oh, played sick. it all my life. So that kind of made me a little bit of a, you know, I was very much a, a sports guy. And then I was just kind of like more of like a music, like hobbyist with what I was doing. Right. Well, we and were then, talking about this with a previous guest that uh, he played soccer. He played um, college lacrosse in Virginia. Oh, yeah. But the West Coast lacrosse culture is totally <laughs> different, right? Well, yeah. Now, at least in my generation of it, the West Coast was still like, kind of bubbling up but there would only be like a handful of players that would be able to like play in colleges back east now it's now it's everywhere florida like pl the west coast is is nuts my, my little brother's he committed to a like a d2 school nice. in utah because he's been playing it's crazy my brother started playing uh in high school and then i started when i was nine and then my little brother he was playing till like he was playing at like two years old oh my god you know? were so, you good uh yeah, I mean, I playing could, Arizona could, State is I pretty. I throw it around. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's pretty right. big, though, right? Isn't that like you know? That's it is Pac-12, though. <laughs> no, it's like it's a it's weird sports. division when it comes to lacrosse. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, but like it, it's all the West Coast schools like USC and UCLA and everything. Nice. Um, but uh, well, I think yeah. it's cool. I I I like when people have like different backgrounds and just music, you know, because yeah. it, it tells a little bit about kind of. You know, well, coming from Orange County too. I mean, Orange County is like a huge sports pool. 
It breaks yeah. the stereotype. Not all producers it, are just nerds, okay? You were a jock once. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be <laughs> honest, to be, to be like, to be frank, yeah. I, you know, I'm really a, you know, I'm really a regular dude. I use, and I love sports. Like, I love, you know, I, I love football, baseball, everything. I, you know, I use the Devault Project to really, like, make something a bit more character larger than life, you know? Yeah. It's not just, like, me as Sage. It's it's more so, it's, like, an opportunity to make, um, trying to the best, like, phrase to describe this, but I've always used the Devault Project to, you know, make myself, you know, you know, be be someone cooler, feel like cooler, you know, yeah. greater than I actually am. And that's, that's kind of a, um, yeah, that's what's funny about it. Cause you know, as me, Sage, I'm a, you know, I'm a dork regular dude that loves football, <laughs> but you know, I use this music avenue as one to feel a little bit larger in life and push myself and evolve and grow. And, you know, I grow as a man through it too, through music. Um, but, uh, but yeah. That's great. Well, we're like, like so excited to see where you take it with this next tour. Yeah, and what music. an exciting era for you. This is dope. And hopefully this, the Niners get that Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. you've been waiting for. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate y'all. I think uh, it's the first time, this is the first time in my career where, you know, a lot of things I've always felt like I could manifest or like I could tangibly see it. And I feel like the next, like the next step, you know, to really becoming like a successful established artist was always kind of like unknown territory to me. Um, but being around like, you know, these guys like zoo and starting to put out, you know, records that people are like starting to pay attention to more. It's definitely, um, you know, I can really tangibly see like, you know, I can like see the quote unquote light a little bit. I can really like see, you know, my potential and where I can be. And then, you know, two years from now, I want to get to a, a bigger moment and, attract you know a bigger audience and stuff but yeah, yeah. we can't wait for that yeah, yeah. i'm excited and I we'll be there i'll be there i can see I'll be it there. i can feel it it's gonna be exciting <laughs> yeah I'm excited for you yeah i feel like at the end of the day yeah like like i said before like i'm seeing everything now as an opportunity so that's why like the next shows for me it's an opportunity to just i have the opportunity to do some wild crazy shit that can be memorable and and nuts and people want to speak about it that's kind of you know at the end of the day that's you know your goal as an artist is to do something that you know, has a value. And that's what I've been seeing with everything. At least my psyche is like everything now is just an opportunity to like really take hold of and not let go. That's so. dope. Well, I love that energy. Exciting. And we can't will, wait. we can't wait to just watch you keep going on your journey, man. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. And you made it to Icon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah shout out Icon Collective uh, Music Production School for having us. Yate on the bevies. Val. Chad. My co-host. <laughs> He's going to crack one. Oh, oh God. there it is. Ooh, there That's we nice. go. Well, okay. thank you so much, Jose. Thank you for producing the show. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. All right.